0: Listening to the Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White.
1: Welcome to the Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners. My name is Jeff White, and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, and uh, happy to be here. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And this, I think, is going to be a special show. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, uh, today's
2: guest, uh, without question. was the guess that uh, uh, in the first, say, 100 episodes of Cool... 100?
1: First five? Yes, but
2: but I'm saying out of the first 100, it remained my favorite when we did that kind of look back over the 100 episodes.
1: Tell all the other 99. I know, I
2: know, but... I just thought it was really compelling uh, pro, you, know, you know how to think about uh, your marketing as a product versus a project. I think it's incredibly instructive, we've timeless used advice. Yeah,
1: we've used it as an example in countless other podcasts of bringing um, this thought process to life. And uh, heck, I mean, we probably owe some royalties in, in what we've used to sell clients on.
2: Yeah, you know? yeah.
1: Well, like, oh, that's, that's uh, You know, we, uh, gotta so be gonna, with that. this is going
2: to be an expensive show, now. <laughs>
1: Uh, but look, I, I, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, for I, I, sure. It's uh, great to have today's guest back. Absolutely. And and we haven't had a, a ton of folks back on the show more than once. So you know, yeah. it, uh, it's always nice when we get to talk to somebody again and, and you know, understand where they are now. And, and uh, th- our guest today is Monique Elliott. And uh, when she joined us originally, she was with ABB and now is with Schneider Electric as the Senior Vice President Global Marketing for Industrial Automation. And uh, really glad to have you on the show again, Monique. Welcome.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you Jeff and Carmen for such kind words. It's a pleasure to be back. I actually can't believe it's been that long. Um and a lot has changed, as I say. The world has changed since the last time the three of us it had sure a conversation. has.
1: Yeah, I think it was almost 3 years ago when we recorded it with you originally. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. I think maybe
2: we need to bring Monique on as a regular co-host or something. Yeah, that exactly. would be better
1: or you know yeah. like a, a commentator yeah she...
2: i mean i've been trying to i've been i've been wondering how to bring this up with you jeff I uh... <laughs> <You> think she <laughs> to replace me <laughs> I, mean, I didn't realize
1: this was going to be an interview <laughs> i don't i i don't i don't think we have uh you know the cooler yeah. ring budget i don't know you <laughs> yeah. know, I don't know if we could afford Monique. uh
3: Pro bono. I'll be a guest commentator, pro bono.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> Look, uh, it is lovely to have you back on the show. Can you, uh, uh, for the guests that maybe haven't tuned into uh, the first episode, uh, give us a bit of your background? Uh, uh, acquaint our listeners with you a bit, if
3: you will. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, as Jeff mentioned, I am currently the Senior Vice President of Marketing for our industrial automation business at Schneider Electric. But I have been in the B2B marketing space for over 20 years, probably close to 22, 23 years now, um with a few large industrial manufacturers. Um, I would say, you know, very traditional manufacturers in, in the space of power, healthcare. Um, just across a wide variety of industries. Um, and having always been in B2B marketing, you know, it's a passion of mine to look at all of the great uh, techniques and trends that are going on in the consumer space and how do we bring that into the B2B side, which always tends to be just a little bit behind everyone else in marketing. So um, I love it. I think it's a space where um, there's a lot of runway and little effort goes a long way in the b2b industrial marketing space so that's what i've been doing for the last 20 some odd years
2: and, and uh you know you can't spend that much time in a b2b industrial marketing without having a few observations about what you might say are the trends in that space and um uh, a bit of the uh the sameness that seems to erupt in, in in the space one might say um i think visually creatively um and i think that's what we're really so excited to talk to you about today Monique. Is just and i know you've been taking a a different approach um with with how you bring um uh, industrial automation to life uh, and really a way of humanizing it um uh, so I, I want to kind of unpack that a bit, but I guess first, like what drove you to even, I'm sure it just wasn't a frustration that things looked the same. Uh, what what drove you to um, uh, kind of begin to consider taking a different approach?
3: So it, you know, it all started, it started before me. So when I joined the company um, and stepped into this role within industrial automation, the great team that I have was down this path of revamping what we call our our big global campaigns, and so this was how do we revamp what we call industries of the future. So I came in with the benefit that some research was already underway to take a look at the way that we were going to market with our visuals, with our messaging, kind of that whole package of a big global brand campaign. And through that, we also did some research, um, as a good marketer should, around the competition and direct competition, as well as some ancillary competitors in the market. And we were trying to get a feel. It originally started with, we were trying to get a feel of the big conversations that were happening around industries of the future, whether that was digital, around efficiency, around resiliency. And we found an interesting fact when we did this was that everyone was sort of talking about it the same way um, and not just in the messaging, but also in that visual look and feel. And I think, you know, a lot of times it's, it's the picture that tells more, right. Uh, than just the words. And so that's what really uncovered it for us as a team. So I, I benefited that they were down that path. And that it was very eye opening when we looked at this great research that was done in anticipation of launching this big campaign.
1: And I have to think too, I mean, you know if you examine any of the uh the trade publications and the trade websites and and all that sort of thing it's it's surprising as you leaf through them just how consistent like other than the logo you would be hard pressed in a lot of ways to differentiate between the brands at, at the level that you're talking about and 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 even the ones who aspire to be you know at the level of schneider um you know they're they're all they're all talking about it the same way they're showing the same things uh, the photography is the same. Uh, the messaging and and taglines are are so consistent. It's really hard to know what the difference is.
3: Well, and you know, to to be honest, Jeff, too. I mean, we we were equally responsible in this as well, right? <laughs> so we we looked at ourselves in the mix because, of course, you're comparing to yourself, and and you know, there's it, it's not that any of it was wrong, right? The the message that was trying to be conveyed was that the industries, and when I say industries, I I mean, you know, big markets like CPG and metals and mining um, were trying to digitize and looking to digitize operations in order to be more efficient, in order to be more resilient. And so when you think about that as a concept, what do you think of? You think of, oh, a really high tech looking factory and maybe there's this individual and they've got an iPad and maybe there's some like blue streaks and flashes of light because it's very modern right and it's very contemporary so it's not a wrong image to convey the message that you're trying to get across it's just that when everybody is using that same imagery how do you differentiate and it's particularly hard when you're not number one right it's one thing to to have that um to have that type of imagery if you're number one or number two but when you're not how do you break through all that noise
1: i think when I last looked, some of the best images on Getty Images with like lots of sparks and things had hundreds of thousands of downloads. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you look at photos like that, you should just kind of walk the other this way is very true. quickly. Uh, you, know, uh, you
2: know, everybody in the space has been guilty of it in some way. I think the, uh, I guess uh, two things, uh, you're, you're speaking primarily, I think, there of the, of the visuals, but have you... Um, I, I'm assuming that extends into to copy as well. Maybe. Uh, and I, I have felt that it often seems like it's driven by the 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 notion that you're selling to engineers and therefore it is to be all data, all facts all the time. Mm-hmm.
3: so it's it, that's that's an interesting point. and and so one of the, I would say, kind of key pivot points for us when we looked at how we were going to address this differently for the markets that we serve, there were certain, mm-hmm certainly the imagery around it, but then to your point, there was also the way that you talk to the market. And one thing that we did that was different and a little bit risky is we also decided to talk to the end users. And that's what drove a lot of the also visual changes. So whereas before we were talking primarily to the, the companies to which we serve, right? So the system integrators, the OEMs, the other big manufacturers to which we serve. And therefore, the language was, you're right, very technical in nature. Here's what we could do from an efficiency perspective or reliability perspective. Um, how do we help your operations? We decided with this campaign, we would also put messages out to the end user, meaning it's not just the food and beverage manufacturer that we want to talk to anymore. I also want to talk to that individuals who's eating the ice cream, or maybe drinking the refreshing water that's just gone through a desalinization process. right? I also wanted to talk to the person who's riding the bicycle and where did that metal come from? I want them to know that that metal was produced sustainably between Schneider and our, our uh, customer in that case. So we took it one step further, which actually made a lot of folks a little bit uncomfortable because we weren't talking technical specs anymore we weren't talking about the functionality of our products and our offers we were talking about the moment that is created in someone's life because of the solutions and the offers that we're selling so you're you're very far down the value chain right when you when you start marketing at that level
2: it's interesting because you changed who you're talking about if you will in the creative did you change who you were talking to or did you still focus it towards those system integrators and those people that you're trying to influence but just try to expose them to the do it from
1: the lens of the end user right
3: we did both actually we did both so so from a, a visual campaign as well as the messaging there was two there was two paths that we took and we actually called it our we had an industry package And then we had our, uh, what we called our end use package as well. So in some cases we were, we were talking to the person who's having the ice cream and it was, you know, something to the effect of, you know, it's great to have a sweet tooth, but wouldn't it be even, isn't it even sweeter if you knew it was made from a sustainable process? So in that case, you're really talking to the individual who's enjoying that ice cream. And then in some cases, um, there was a different suite of assets and messaging that was around uh, the industry user, which was then talking more about their operations itself and how to make that ice cream, if I keep using that example. Um, so we had two barrel of pass, Carmen, to, to really get that message out into the market.
1: Interesting. And I think, too, you, you, know, you weren't just doing it to the end user and your customer. You're also doing it internally as well and, and targeting your own folks within Schneider. Talk to us a bit about kind of. The approach you took there and what the what the benefit was.
3: Sure. That was, you know, to be honest, that was actually one of the the best parts of this whole process was taking the industrial automation leadership team along with marketing on this journey. Uh and so one of the first things that we did is my team helped put together what we called a challenger exercise. And we said, um, you know, look, we're going to refresh our branding and we're going to refresh our big global campaign that we do around industrial automation. And we want to do something a little different Um, and we want to really challenge the market. So we had these interesting discussions around, you know, are we a challenger brand or are we challenging the market around us, which is a very empowering position to be in. Right? if you say I'm going to challenge everything that's going on around us and we took them through the process. We said, what are the key pillars that we want to be known for with this campaign? We want to be next generation automation. We want to be more human in the way that we talk about the importance of industry. We don't want it to be the cold blue factory with the sparks. We want it to be very emotive so that everybody knows that everything that you have around you comes from some sort of manufacturing process or some sort of. Food and beverage, right? Process as well. If you're talking more on the agricultural side, and we took them through this, and we showed them different visuals, and we played around with copy. I actually had them vote on different um, copy and different visuals that they liked. And all the way through, I mean, they probably thought I was like the new crazy marketing lady joining the team. But at the end of the day, not only did their thinking, of course, help us get to a better outcome, the sense of pride. That was established around this and the advocacy that i now had with my peers across an organization that hadn't really had this type of marketing experience before um, was invaluable right but they uh, they were able to say that they went on the journey with it so it was um it was a really fun process maybe painful at times for some people but a lot of fun <laughs>
1: more, more painful for them or for the marketing team
3: oh probably more painful for them <laughs> <laughs>
2: How,
1: um, I guess, uh,
2: did you end up uh, uh, adopting what you felt was a more challenger position uh, through this campaign? Um, like, did you feel like you succeeded in some ways in being a bit uh, uh, contrary, one might say?
3: I, I will say that we definitely feel like we um, have a completely different look and feel from everyone else. Um, You, you visually can see it now. Um, We got a lot of reactions from it, which is fantastic when we started. So before we started down this path, our share of earned media, um, and maybe just allow me to kind of describe what that means kind of in our terms is, you know, the number of media mentions that are either earned or that we proactively go seek out with a lot of tier one media um, and the press um, was. Rather low, it was kind of hovering at, at a pretty low threshold for what we considered um, best in class and for the first six months, the first six months of launching the new campaign. Um, and that includes the new visuals and the copy and all of that we've been able to increase that share of earned media um, by almost 10% so that's that that is a, a, a good indicator that we're certainly getting more eyeballs to look at what we're doing um, and to to certainly that's going to help with the further demand generation right of of the campaign i think the um the other aspect around this too is the more defined messaging around thought leadership because that's a piece that we haven't talked about so there was definitely the visuals and the copy and all of that but this was more than a creative campaign right so this this also included uh thought leadership pieces it included big strategic events that we were doing, granted they were still digital whilst we were
1: doing all of this, um, as
3: well as getting a lot more customer stories. So it changed the way that we also looked at our customer stories that we wanted to partner with and put those into the market. So yeah, probably a long-winded answer, um, Carmen, but it we certainly feel that we adopted that position and have been making a dent
0: Sample ABM.
2: How much of that earned media is being driven by the thought leadership itself?
3: Oh, that's a good question. Um, we can bifurcate it out. I would say a fair amount. Um, a fair amount. I mean, one thing that we've been doing that we really weren't doing too much in the past is really putting um, a lot of our subject matter experts and our senior leadership team more out in front of the media. Um, So whether that's through interviews or speaking at conferences, and what's nice is they now have a nice package of material uh, that they can lean into so that we're all speaking very consistently. Uh, with the messaging, so it's been uh, there's there's a good share of that has come through has come through with the thought leadership, especially if I can add because one of the pillars uh, of the campaign is all around the next generation of automation. So that is very much a forward thinking message around how the future of automation is changing.
1: Have you noticed uh, any of your competitors take notice? Have, have they uh, have they started to follow a little bit?
3: So that's an interesting question. Um, visually, no, we haven't seen um, yet any kind of adoption of that. Uh, I think, you know, it's, it's a little bit harder on the messaging side. I, I, uh, to your point earlier, I mean, there's only so many ways you can say efficiency and sustainability and, you know, all those terms. So I think to a certain extent, it's that's a little bit harder to, to differentiate. I think it comes down to the how you demonstrate it. So when you talk about sustainability or when you talk about efficiency and reliability, it's less about using the same words and it's more about showing and demonstrating, um, how you actually achieve those, those aspects for your, for your customers. But I can say that from a visual perspective, um, we're still pretty unique in that regard.
2: It'll be interesting to, uh, to see if, uh, yeah. yeah, if, if there's some some copycat uh, uh, versions start creeping in. Always a always a kind of an interesting
1: sign that you're on a really cool path. You know?
3: yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> true, true. And, and you know, it's, it's a compliment, to be honest, right? It's a compliment.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Some people get very offended by it, but I, I think it means that you're doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of... Um, I'm curious. Can you speak to um, how this has resonated specifically with that kind of engineering subset? Um, uh, either uh, uh, either research that you've seen, or alternatively, just uh, you know, qualitative assessments on on how it's been received.
3: Sure. I mean, I think it's um, it's a it's a little bit harder when you start to to want to talk about your your big key offers, right? Or your big innovation. So when you're talking at this, what I'll call that that top level, that that first layer of the cake, right? So this first layer of the cake is really around the thought leadership piece. Uh, when you start to dive a little bit further down into the core pillars of the campaign, so I, I talked about next gen automation. So what's the proof point of that? The proof point of that is the innovation in your products or your offers. And when you get down to that level, right, which might be the second or the third level of the campaign layer cake, um, then you certainly do have to start talking more about the benefits of the product, why it's different. You're getting into a more technical zone. And so what we did is we definitely thought differently about that first layer um, and went to market with that different look and feel. But as you translate the proof points down Um, you do start to pull up a lot of the technical benefits. You start to pull up a lot of the value that's in the innovation of the product itself. So it's not missing. Um, But to maybe more directly answer your question, we had to show the business that that was still there. It was just in a different part of the campaign structure um, that we really wanted to go big and bold on that that big thinking thought leadership piece, and that we would ensure that it was linked down all the way down to that offer level. Um, So there's different elements of the campaign where, yes, you may just want to market and target a population of customers around that offer. And within that, you can become very technical and have a lot of expertise around the offer. And the campaign reflects that. The marketing material reflects that but it's linked up to that higher kind of big picture thought leadership thinking. So it's, it's in there, but we had to show them the connection, right? We had to show them connection. Historically, we were just kind of operating more at that level of the more technical level and that offer level. So what this really did is it put a nice wrapper around all of it.
1: Mm. Have you found that, um, that the perspective that you're putting on that thought leadership and and the offers that you're putting together, has that influenced your R&D team at all? Like, have they started to think about things a bit differently as a result of the challenger position, maybe in terms of new products or new technologies?
3: Well, actually, it's it's a bit of the other way around. Um, So so when myself and the team embarked on, on this journey, The innovation and the R&D team have been working on some really cool stuff that was that is changing the landscape of industry around really open. Open universal automation Um, so it's an interoperable very portable it's almost like an APP store approach to automation. Um, So they were down that path of doing it, and the benefit that we had is that was in the pipeline coming and so. What a great opportunity to be able to use that as the launching pad for the messaging and and for doing things differently, because from an innovation and an R and D perspective, we were just about to do that, and so marketing was able to get in right like right at that point to say this is fantastic. I want to capitalize on this, um, and this is a perfect time to make this change. Right, it's it's a perfect time to think differently about our marketing because the innovation is coming around it. Um, so we took it as an opportunity to market prime and market seed, which is something we haven't, we haven't talked about yet, but even before our new offer around universal automation and open automation, it's called ecostructure automation expert. Even before that launched, we started priming and seeding the market with this thought of next generation automation using the campaign to do this. Um, and that was, that was different too, because historically we would wait until the offer was ready to go. And then we would push push the marketing campaign, um, but now we said no. It's okay. I, we know it's not ready, but because this is so new, we want to take the time from a marketing perspective to really seed and prime the market before the offer even is ready to go. So that was that was actually a very fun part of the process with the uh, with our innovation team.
1: I think it's really cool that you can use, you know this prospect of new and innovative products and new and innovative technologies can allow you to, and the visual language that you're creating around the rest of it can allow you to kind of seed that information out there and, uh, and get people prepared for what's to come.
2: I'm curious. I would like to use a little bit of the time we have left um, uh, to uh, dig out Monique's crystal ball here. Um, I, 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 I want to know, I mean, you know, you've been in the space a while. You mentioned, I think you said twenty-two years. I did not, <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, and 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 at, at, at in many of those years, very much at the height of of uh, industrial B two B marketing. Frankly, um, what's next? What's around the corner? Mm. What what is it that you think maybe some other people aren't seeing that you can maybe see?
3: You know, I think. Um... It's interesting because I, I just spent a week in a, in a training class with a, a very well-known university uh, that was sponsored through the company. And it's been very, very eye-opening. And I will tell you, the one thing that kept coming back to the table, and now this was in the context of, of marketing, but the one thing that kept coming back to the table was we continue to not leverage all of the data that's available to us um to really better understand our customers and i continue to see not so much that it's a crystal ball but the importance of being able to have that analytical skill set and people on the team who are like these data scientists but for marketing so we talk about that a lot in the context of broader operations of companies and certainly all the data that's coming off of the products and the connected products that we all have even in our personal lives. But to be able to really lean into that from a marketing perspective, I think we're gonna see marketing teams become much more analytical focused, much more strategic. I know today we're talking a lot about brand and creative, but I think the future of marketing um, is heading in the direction around the analytics and the data um, and how do you make sense of all of it in order to, to really, better understand the customers and the, and the markets that we serve. Um, and so it's, there's, I think there's a lot there. I mean, if that's kind of off the cuff, right? That's the first, that's the first place I go where I'm like, this is going to get more and more intense as we go along. And we need to, we need to upscale and we need to find people who really understand that and want to bring that expertise into the marketing function.
2: It, to me, it feels like um, it's kind of like Lucille Ball on the chocolate or candy uh, <laughs> line or whatever. It's like, the, you know, organizations trying to figure out how to make sense of this data. And meanwhile, they're creating so it's much still more coming. of it. Yeah,
1: exactly.
3: <laughs> it's still coming. Hey, and by the way, I can help you uh, automate and make that manufacturing line more efficient, too. If... <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, Yeah, it, it's, it's real it's a problem that an awful lot of marketers don't even, you know, it's easy to say, okay, I eat the elephant one bite at a time. But when the elephant keeps exponentially growing in size every five minutes, it seems it yeah. just doesn't seem like it, people just don't know how to tackle it. So often, yeah. and the, terabytes
1: of analysis yeah, that you should be looking yeah. at yeah, in order nice. to uh, understand where to go next. Mm-hmm. So,
2: uh, be, certainly, it, it's an it, it, it's an interesting time in marketing um, uh, as it often is, but I think they're largely driven by that dynamic money. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I like to see you know that this idea, you know, if you're if you're looking at you know, the analytics and the data that you're going to be, you know, moving into going forward. It doesn't often intersect with the brand side of things in quite the same way that, you know, those two things, you know, the data and analytical marketing people and the brand um, and messaging people don't always talk. You know, So I think it's really interesting when you can marry. But there
2: will be a convergence. Things. I mean, it used to be it the case be. of di- digital and traditional in talk. And yeah, now that's right. that can't right. be the case. Right? No. no.
3: Right. No, exactly. Right. It's, it's almost it's the birth of this performance marketing organization, right, where it is that blend of it's not marketing and it's not the analytics side, but it's the performance marketing coming together. Um, and I think I think the, the legacy or I should say the history of that, you know, we used to call it marketing operations. Right? And they were the ones that would look at, okay, well, how did the campaigns perform? How did this perform? How did that perform? And now it's almost, it's not a separate team, but that should be one and the same. Right. It should be, everybody should be asking those questions. All marketers should be asking those questions. Yeah, I
1: think so for sure.
2: Well, look at, um, I really enjoyed this chat. Yeah. It's been wonderful having Likewise. you back on the
1: show. Thank you. I, I look forward to the co-host um, uh, role <laughs> in the coming <laughs> <laughs> Should be noted, it's really cold and miserable here in Halifax. So you're going to want to stay remote. Oh, everything's digital.
3: Everything's yeah, digital. Exactly. No problem. Yeah,
1: you don't have to come here. Yeah, no, it's fine. That's all right. It'll probably be the weather here will be changed completely by tomorrow. Yeah. No,
3: so. yeah. so it's been an it's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, look, the one thing that I would say is, um, you know, whenever you can take risks. I mean, I've been really blessed in this role and with this team that I have that we've been able to take some risks. And we've had really good leadership to allow us to do that, um, and I think that's been, part, you know, the most fun that we've had is we've been able to push the boundaries a little bit and really, really take some risks with our marketing, and it's yielded great results. Um, and we've had a good time along the way. And we questioned ourselves, we challenged ourselves along the way, right? As they say, if you don't disrupt yourself, you know, someone else will. So take the take the opportunity to do that. Um, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me again, guys. Mm-hmm.
2: Look, I yeah. encourage our listeners to to check out the creative. It's, we'll we'll uh, do our best to link it up link, in the show notes or yeah. what have you. And, Absolutely. Uh, 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 but uh, once again, Monique, thanks so much.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's wonderful advice to uh, to tell people to try and be self-aware about <laughs> what it is is yeah. they're doing <laughs> and, uh, and realize, you know, how you can make change based on that. So, yeah, <laughs> thanks again for joining us.
3: My pleasure. Take
0: care. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at KulaPartners.com slash The Kula Ring. That's K-U-L-A Partners.com slash The Kula Ring.